Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. All right. Hey, we're continuing to press into our Race to Life series, making it through the whole book of Ephesians, verse by verse. We've made it through four chapters, church. Come on. It's been a long haul, but we've made it through the first four chapters of Ephesians, and we're continuing to press in. And I know for me personally, um, man, this series has really challenged my life. It's really challenged me to look at my life as a believer, as a follower, and to make some critical changes in that. So I hope it's been challenging for you as well. And we're raised to life because of God's great mercy. Amen? Hey, back in Ephesians, we learned that Paul told us that we were dead in our sins, right? But God has made us alive in Christ, and now we're raised back to life. That's good news. That's good news that we're no longer in the dead. And not only have we been brought back to life, not only have we been pulled out of the darkness, but we've been given a purpose. Say, I have purpose. purpose. Yeah, and that purpose is to pursue God and love life, to love God and to love on his people and to seek after Christ with our whole heart, amen? So a brief recap from last week, we learned that we we have to stop lying. We gotta stop lying and deceiving each other and we gotta start speaking the truth, right? Come on, Duel's, Duel's laughing, Duel's laughing, yeah. And that we're not to sin in our anger. We're not to sin in our anger and that we do have control of our emotions and we do have control of what comes out of our mouths. And then we learned last week that when the attitude of our mind is transformed from what the world says into what the word says, then we put on the characteristics of Christ and we begin to reflect those characteristics to a watching world, right? And we begin to glorify him. So today we're going to dig into the very first part of chapter five. We're going to go through the first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul's premise or his main theme for the first 14 verses is that we are to live as children of the light. Everyone say light. Light. We are to be used by God. We used to walk in darkness, and we used to be a reflection of that, but God's pulled us out of that darkness, and we no longer live like that. Now we live as children of the light. So we're to illuminate God's light from within us, and we're to become imitators of God. So we're going to dig into this passage. We're going to see how Paul tells us that we as followers of the light are supposed to do that. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll read through verses 1 through 14. It's a long passage, so bear with me. It's got some really good, deep content. Y'all ready? Hey, let's pray. Father, we're just thankful. We're just thankful that we can come into your presence. We're just thankful that we can come before a God who loves us, who chooses us, who just wants the best for us. And God, we're praying right now that you meet us right here Lord, as we come in here on just another Sunday, that you blow our expectations, that we leave different, that we leave transformed, that we have an encounter with you and your spirit. God, just give me the words. Lord, prepare our hearts this morning to receive this. Let there be no spirit of offense, but God, a spirit of drive in our own lives to be who you called us to be. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 5, 1 through 14 says this, imitate God. Therefore, in everything that you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. But don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall upon all who disobey. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now, amen, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light, for this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and of darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that the ungodly do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. And that's why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen. So I've told some pretty embarrassing stories about myself the past couple times that I've spoken. Um, you know, and I think it's time that I, I put myself aside and maybe tell on somebody else. Y'all good with that? Um, many of you know my sweet baby girl, Macy, Miss Angel, Miss Perfect down there. Uh, she's our children's pastor here at Destiny Church, doing great things. Come on. Yeah, it's awesome. But when she was little, when she was little, like last year, um, no, I'm just kidding. She, she was in a car seat. Um, we had been down visiting the in-laws, and, and, and we're driving back to, back to Marshfield. And, and, you know, we're just driving. And, and Macy, she's in the back, like, reading the dictionary or, you know, calculus book or something, because she's brilliant. And we kept hearing her say something. And you know, we just keep driving, and we're like, man, what, what's she saying? And we're, and we're trying to listen as parents, and, and she just keeps going on and on and on. Um, and, and naive, right, because we have a perfect angel, baby girl. No way. Mandy and I are both like, oh, she, she surely isn't saying that, right? Like, she's not, she's not saying what I think she's saying. So we kept on. So finally, we said, Macy, what did you say? And Miss Independent, Miss, Miss Macy, she just sits back there, and she keeps solving algebraic equations or whatever it is she's doing. So finally, having to get firm with her, I said, Macy, what did you say? Now, at this point, whenever you, you're a parent, right, whenever you get firm and you get angry with your kids, what happens? They, they realize, uh-oh, I probably did something wrong. I probably shouldn't be doing this. They start to get a little fearful, right? Not Macy. So I had to ask her again, who did you hear that from? Or no, I said, what did you say? And with sass in her voice and little Miss Macy, she said, I said, oh, shoot. But she didn't say shoot. Now we learned last week that no unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths, right? Only what's good for building up of others. So y'all just got to use your imagination as to what it was that she said. Um, but we sat there for a second and just in shock, like, so I whipped the car over, pulled to the side of the road, and Mandy and I both, who in the world did you hear that from? Because I know she didn't hear it from me. I'm righteous. I'm spiritual. Come on, I don't talk like that. There ain't no way she done heard it from me. So we had to ask her again, who did you hear that from? And of course, with sass in her voice, my papa Scott. So praise Jesus. I'm not going to lie. There's some sense of relief of me going, whew, I'm glad she didn't hear that from me, right? So we had to have that talk with her, like, listen, you can't talk like that. You're not supposed to say words like that. But the truth is this. She was just imitating who she had been around, right? And my first point today is this. Live it. We are to live it. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of who? Of Christ he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And have you heard the term that children are a reflection of their parents? 
or in Macy's case, grandparents, right? But, but we are who we are around, right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You ever hung around someone long enough that you begin to pick up on their mannerisms and, and their terminology? Pa- since Pastor Mark has been here, of course, he's way younger than I am, but since Pastor Mark has been here, I find myself using the term bro a lot. And <laughs> let's go! But, you know, we're constantly using the term bro all the time. But, you know, he, he's made an impact in my life, and not only in the way that I talk, but in every facet of my life, in my walk, in my faith, and in everything. And I remember one time we were having this conversation, and I'm sure I was probably saying something negative. Um, and I remember, I remember Mark just goes, bro, don't talk like that. And I remember just stepping back and going, bro, I could be your dad. <laughs> you know? But he, here's a younger guy telling me how I'm supposed to talk, how I'm, what's supposed to come out of my mouth. But you know what? It made an impact on me. It made me realize that the things that were coming out of my mouth probably weren't fruitful, probably weren't edifying and glorifying to God because we are who we are around and who we surround ourselves with is who and what we become. It has the ability to influence us either positively or negatively. It can inspire or it can inflict and it shapes and transforms our character. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character or good morals. And the principle here is that our closest community, the ones that we do life with, who we surround ourselves with, that shapes our very character. And one of the easiest things that we can do to define our success is to surround ourselves with what it is and what and who we desire to be like. So who and what are you desiring to be like, church? Who are you desiring to be like? Because scripture tells us that we are to emulate or model after who? after Christ in everything that we do. Here's the truth. You can't imitate someone you're never around. You can't imitate someone you're never around. And you're probably sitting there in the seat. Some of you might be saying, well, how can I be around Jesus, right? By coming to church, by praying, by worshiping, by setting intentional, undistracted time just to sit in his presence and listen to him. Come on, he's given you the Holy Spirit in order so that you may do so. We have to have a relationship with Christ. Listen, you've been given his Holy Spirit. It's the gift that he gave you that resides within you, inside of you. It's what draws you into him. So in order to imitate Jesus, you have to have intimacy with Jesus. Amen? Hey, intimacy is closeness. It's the drawing of two people together. It means being familiar with somebody. It's a relationship, and influence is directly proportional to relationship. So we have to pursue Christ. And spending time with him, it allows his character to refine ours. Then we start putting on the characteristics that follow Christ. We start talking the way Christ did. We start loving the way Christ did. Amen? Come on. We need closeness with Christ. Amen? But we also must pay close attention to who we do life with and who's in our community. And it's not just for Sunday morning, church. It's not just for right here. We're to imitate God in everything that we do, inside our homes, inside our workplaces, inside our schools, because we have the ability, church, we within us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability not only to let people influence us that are in our community, inside our circle, but we also have been the calling and the influence to be able to to impact and define others' characteristics too, right? Come on, we've been been sent out. We are God's example to a watching world. So what's this look like in our own lives to actually have to live this thing out? 
Well, we got to look at our source. We got to look at who we model after, and that's Christ. You see, Jesus loved. Jesus gave. Jesus cared for others. Jesus blessed. Jesus extended grace upon grace. Jesus served. We are to walk like Jesus did in the way of what? Love. We are to walk in the way of love, the same way that he loved us, the same way that he gave himself up for us unconditionally. Jesus lived a life, and he loved us sacrificially, didn't he? He did it sacrificially. So if we're to imitate him in every aspect of his being and everything that he did, then sometimes it probably means it's going to be inconvenient for us, don't it? Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient for us to love unconditionally, to show grace to an ungrateful coworker, to turn the other cheek when somebody offends us or hurts us, to serve your spouse when you don't want to, to give and then to give more, laying aside your desires, your dreams, your wills for the sake of someone else. Because it's a life, church, of sacrifice. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but in the interests of others. Walking, living, and conducting ourselves in a manner, the same manner of Christ. But in order to live it, which is our first point, we have to put off or leave things that obstruct us from doing so, right? So my second point today is leave it. We had live it for point one. Number, number two is leave it. Ephesians 5, 3 through 7 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Come on, church, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by those who try to make excuses for these sins, who say it's okay. For the anger of God will fall upon all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Fixing to get real in here. Ready? You ready? Hey, we want the truth, right? We're to speak truth to one another in love. We learned that last week, right? And these sins that Paul lists are to have no place among believers or inside the church. Okay? We used to be foolish. We used to walk in the ways of this world. But Paul says, no longer. Now, now you are children of God. And these qualities do not belong in us, and they are not for us. Church, remember, we don't stop these sins. We don't stop the things that we're doing. We don't stop these sins and, and live a different life in order to be saved. We stop these sins, and we portray a different life because we are saved right? We are saved. And I like how the NIV says, verse three, he says, but among you, there must not even be a hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality, not any hint of impurity, not a hint of greed, because these are improper for God's people. Paul had to write to the church in Corinth because of the unspeakable sexually immoral acts that were taking place inside the church, inside the culture of, of Corinth. And Ephesus and Corinth, both are cities heavy with sexual immorality. Both the, the cities and the cultures are heavy with sexual immorality. And Paul's expressing to the church 
Listen, the pagans, the non-believers, they're not even partaking in some of these sins that's going on inside the church of Corinth. It's disgusting. And then he had to go on and tell them, stop bragging about it. Stop bragging about your sinful nature. It's not right. God didn't call you to do that. And just because culture accepts it, just because society accepts it, doesn't mean that we have to. Doesn't mean that we have to. You see, we have the right to do anything we want to do, right? But not everything is beneficial. And I wonder, church, how comfortable, are we to, how, how comfortable have we became with certain sins in our own lives? Because remember, you were bought with a price. And you're to honor God with your bodies, right? So I wonder, how comfortable have we become? What have we accepted? What have we allowed within ourselves and within the church that's not beneficial? Paul wrote, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough, meaning even the tiniest amount, even the little amount has the ability to spread throughout the entirety. And our perspective has to shift from what culture says and what the world says into what the Word says. Amen? And the Word says, I've called you out of that darkness. I've called you out of the world to no longer walk in the darkness of sin. These are no longer for you. You are not to stay comfortable in your sin, not even the tiniest amount. Not a hint, no sexual immorality, no impurity, no greed, no obscene stories, no foolish talk, no coarse joking. None. And Paul assures us that no immoral or impure or greedy person will have an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. And he says that they're idolaters, that they're idolaters worshiping things above God and that God's anger and wrath will fall upon all who are disobedient. And an idol is anything, church. It's anything that we put before God. So what are we worshiping more than God? What are we allowing to have control of our minds and keeping us from becoming more like Christ? And Paul lists many of these sinful qualities, and he did last week as well. Anger, frustration, obscene talk, and he does it again. He reiterates more of these sins, and Paul says all sins. He commands us to rid ourselves of all sins. But this morning, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, because I think we're to tell the truth. And we're to tell the truth in love, not condemnation. But I want to hit on sexual immorality a little bit more. Because I believe that the church has done an absolutely poor job of educating its believers on this topic. It's done a terrible job. It's a taboo topic. We don't want to talk about it inside the church. It makes us feel uncomfortable, right? Some of you are feeling uncomfortable right now. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on is all I'm going to tell you. Because what we do as a church is we categorize it with other sins, like greed and a foolish talk, and then we just say from the pulpit, you shouldn't be doing those things. Okay, I, I preached it. I said it. I brought it up, God. I said they, they shouldn't be doing sexually immoral stuff, and they shouldn't be lying either. And we just leave it at that. So we just categorize it. But listen, we never elaborate on the severity that it has over us because it has a severity over us. And what happens is we've just accepted it because society does, because culture does. And you know what? Honestly, we don't want to cause disruption. We don't want to cause division. And we're fearful of offending somebody. And face it, church, we like it when our churches are full, don't we? So we just sit back and we just accept it. 
And we learned last week we're to speak the truth to build a mature and unified church. And this is the truth. This is the truth that God created sex. Amen? He did. But he created it for good. He created it to be between a husband and a wife under a covenant ordained by him. Now you want the truth? Anything, anything outside of that is immoral. Anything. So if the church wasn't willing to speak on this taboo topic, then guess what? Where where do we learn it from? From the rest of the world, from society, and from culture. And you know what the world did to it? They corrupted it. They perverted it. They took it from what God intended it to be, which was good and pleasing to him, and they defiled it. They made it impure and disgusting. And all the while, we've set back and let the the world determine the definition of what sex is and what sex is supposed to be and how much of it you can have. And, And to the ends of the earth, anything imaginable is okay. And all the while, we've just set back and we've accepted its corrupted view because we were never taught what God's intention was for it in the first place, that it's holy, that he created sex for holiness, that he created sex for unity, to bring him pleasure, to bring pleasure to a man and a wife, a husband and a wife, to draw them together. But now the world has defined what it looks like. And they said, anything that you can think of is okay. And instead of causing unity between a man and a wife, now it causes separation and division within the world, because there's hate going on, within the church, because of sexually immoral acts that are taking place. And now sexual immorality is everywhere and it's in everything. And little by little, society and culture just keeps pushing the limits on what's okay, don't they? They just keep pushing the limits on what's okay. And all the while, the church just sits back and does absolutely nothing about it. And we just say, well, we just love people. It's okay, we'll just love on people no matter what, because we, we can't make a change We can't control what's going on in culture and society. Just because culture accepts it doesn't mean the church has to. Just because it's acceptable in society doesn't mean the church has to. We've been called to live apart from the world, right? Church, listen, it's time that we start educating the believers on the truth that no amount of it, not even a hint of sexual immorality is okay. It's not acceptable. It's a sin, and it separates us from God, and it has no place among us. It's not for us. This is the point at which a good communicator would be doing a message, and he would insert something humorous or something funny right here to kind of soften the blow of the truth, to kind of, you know, make people be like, whew, feel a little bit more comfortable. But I'm not going to do that because I think this is a hard issue. And I think this is a reflection that we have to look at as believers that's serious. It's not humorous. It's not funny. We got things going on in this world. There's things going on inside the church that's not funny and it's not humorous. It's defiling. It's disgusting. I think we have to take a seriously, a serious reflection on what God's calling this church and believers, us, to look like. And what we say is acceptable and what we say is not acceptable in our lives. And the word tells us we are to have no part of it. So what have we accepted into our lives, church? What do we consider is okay? What's obstructing us from being able to live it? Why can't we leave it? Is it lust? Is it envy? Is it pornography? Sexual desires outside the covenant of marriage? Impure thoughts? What are we looking at on social media? 
What are you looking at on your computer? How about when you go to the gym? And I know I'm hitting on sexual immorality more than the others, but I think it's an issue that has to be addressed, church. It destroys us. Okay, this isn't structured just towards the men in here either. This is for all of us. It doesn't only affect the men, amen? It affects all of us. This is for the whole church in order so that we can become mature, unified, and to fulfill God's purpose, to be an effective church for Him, to bring Him honor and to bring Him glory as His chosen children. So what about obscenities, foolish talk, coarse or inappropriate joking? Paul says, church, none of this is for us. And don't let anyone tell you that it is. Don't let anyone make excuses and tell you that it is. And in the words of Pastor Mark, sin looks sexy, but don't be fooled, right? Because sin's enticing. Sin's seductive. It draws us in. But listen, church, all sin, all sin destroys, amen? All sin destroys. So don't let anyone deceive you with empty words, with excuses. You know what? We've all done it, right? We've all made excuses to try to justify the sins that we feel are acceptable. It's not that big a deal. It's not hurting anyone else. And I shared last week about my conviction when I broke that drill bit and stuck it in the side of my neck, how I responded in the flesh. I responded in my anger. But me making an excuse, me trying to justify my sin because of what happened or what I felt was right in my life to do does not make it right and it doesn't justify it. Making an excuse to sin, making an excuse for any sin does not justify to make it right. In church, I've been convicted. I've been convicted about what's coming out of my mouth lately. Is it edifying? Does it build up others? Am I just speaking negatively all the time? Because that's what, that's what literally goes around all the time is the negativity, right? It just continues to breed and go, and go on. And it's not just that. Okay, I'm not immune, church. I'm not immune to any of it. I'm not immune to lust. I'm not immune to, to, to my selfish desires, to the things that I seek. None of us are, right? None of us are. But I have to continue to work on it daily. I got to allow God to refine me. I have to have that intimacy with Christ in order so that his character can come in and refine mine so that I can be more like him. I got to make a conscious decision every single day not to allow it at the moment it happens, not to allow it. To not even think about it. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Check this out. We capture their rebellious thoughts. We capture their excuses, right? That, that it's okay, what's acceptable in society. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. And the NIV says that we take thought, or we take captive every thought. Church, we gotta take captive every immoral, sinful thought before it ever has the opportunity to enter our mind. Because once it enters our mind, it's going to flow into the heart. And once it flows into our heart, it's going to lead us into sin. We can't be comfortable in our sin, okay? We got to stop justifying it. We got to stop making excuses for it. We are to have no part of it as followers of the church, as followers of Christ, because it doesn't glorify and it doesn't imitate him. And we're called to be imitators of him. We've been called to live a different life. You know what? And sometimes it's hard. Amen? Sometimes a different life is hard, and sometimes we fail. 
But here's the hope that we have a God that loves us so much that he gave his son for us, even, even church, even in our sin, even in our dysfunction, even when we're wrong, even when we're in our rebellion, God loves us so much that he reaches down and he pulls us out of that darkness. He raises us back to life and he puts his light inside of us so that we don't have to live like the rest of the world. Come on. He's given us a new life. Church, we were dead. We were dead in our sin. We've been resurrected for a purpose. You don't like to see your children struggle, do you? God doesn't like to see his children struggle either. He doesn't like to see them be addicted or enslaved to the things of this world. And Jesus died so that we didn't have to be, right? Jesus gave his life so that we didn't have to be putting his spirit inside of us for conviction, for guidance, for strength, for hope, so that we can live this new life, a life in the light. Let's look at Paul says how to live this life in the light. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says, you were once full of darkness, but now, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this, for this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true, and carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. He says, it's shameful to even talk about the things that the ungodly do in secret. Don't even mention it. Take those thoughts captive. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible, and that's why it said, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Come on, we were full of darkness, but we have been awakened and pulled out of that darkness and raised to life, amen? We've been given a new light to live as people of the light. So my last point today is this, shine it. Don't hide it, shine it. We're to shine the light of Christ. Kim, I'll have you go ahead and come on up if you don't care. But in order for us to shine it, the only way that we're able to shine it is if we live it and leave it. We got to live it and we got to leave it, church, in order to shine it. We didn't just live in the darkness. Check out what verse 8 says. It says, you were once full of darkness. You were darkness. We were darkness. Darkness wasn't the external, but the internal. Okay, and that darkness penetrated to the very core of our being but Christ came and sacrificed his life on the cross. He absorbs all that darkness because the light can't shine in the darkness, right? Or the darkness can't overcome the light, right? And he took it away and he gave us his light. So now, now church, we are no longer darkness. We are no longer in darkness, but now we are the light. And his light, now his light penetrates us all the way to the core, right? And it comes from our inner being. And we're to shine that light. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we are the light that illuminates and gives light to the rest of the world. We are that light. And now we produce what is good, right, and true. Now we walk in love just the way Christ did. And now we imitate Christ. John 1.5 says, the light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? The darkness has not overcome it because you know why? Darkness is the absence of light. 
It's the absence of light. There is no light in the darkness. But when the darkness is shut, when the light is shined into the darkness, it can't overcome it. And all evil is exposed when light shines on it and it's made visible. All darkness is exposed. When light shines on it, it's made visible. And here's, here's the deal. We don't reflect the light. We don't just reflect the light of Christ. We are the light of Christ, right? We transmit the light of Christ from within us outwardly. We illuminate the darkness. We illuminate everything around us. We don't reflect it. Natural light, we're gonna have a light lesson real quick. Natural light is produced by the sun, the S-U-N, okay? Artificial light, like this right here, is manufactured. It's produced and it's limited, right? There is no limit to the sun though, amen? S-O-N. Reflected light shines on an object and it reflects behind it. We don't live back. We don't live back anymore, amen? We don't live in the darkness anymore. We don't live with reflected light or artificial light. But when we choose to stay in darkness, we stay lost. Come on, church, I wonder how many of us have been walking around the darkness with artificial light. And we just keep tripping and keep stumbling over the same things because it's not true light. It's not the natural light. It's just, a, it's just reflective light that keeps shining on the past, which we no longer live. And no matter how hard we try to adjust it, no matter how many times we change the batteries, no matter how many times we, we continue just to put more power and power to it, we can't get out of it because we're stumbling around in the darkness. But God's saying today, church, I can fill you. I can put a new light inside of you, a true light, my light. It can shine throughout the darkness. We've been called to put off, church. We've been called to leave the darkness. We've been called to put the past behind us, what the world does. We are no longer a part of that because now we live in the light. And that kind of light, it's not reflective, it's not natural and it's not manufactured. That kind of light is the truth. That light right there, that light shines out of us and it goes forward. It doesn't look back, it goes forward. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, amen? That light shines out of us. Come on, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness, darkness covered the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, the S-O-N. Come on, the S-O-N. And there was light. And God told that the light was good. And you know what he did? He separated it. He separated the light from the darkness. We've been called out of that darkness and brought into his light to shine his glory, to allow his light to transmit from inside of us and to dispel all darkness. If the evil intentions of this world, the darkness doesn't have any authority over us because the light's already gone. Christ's already gone before church. He's already made the way and exposed it. 
now we see that the world tries to keep us blind. It tries to keep us in the dark, but God, but our God, the God who chooses us, even in our sin, even our dysfunction, he loved us so much, he called us out of that darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, church, I want that. I want that in my life. I want his light to illuminate every step that I take to go before me. I don't want to live in the past anymore. I want to look forward to what God has for me. I want it to expel all the darkness inside of me so that I can radiate his beams of light throughout my life. Over me, in me, through me, through my wife, through my children, throughout this community, throughout this church. I'm willing, but I can't do it alone. I gotta have community. I gotta have the people that, sur- that are surrounding me to be in as well, encouraging me, challenging me, pushing me, and loving me the way that Christ does. Okay, church, I'm willing to live it. I'm ready to leave it. And I'm desiring to make his light shine in me. Brian, will you turn those lights off for me? All the way off. It's dark in here, isn't it? And this light right here, it's bright, isn't it? But it's not bright enough. This light that I'm holding right now isn't bright enough, church. I can't do it by myself, okay? It takes all of us. It takes all of us willing to live it and leave it and for God to penetrate us to our very core to shine his light from within us. Because I can't do it alone. I can only light up so much. Come on, church. It's time to awaken. It's time to rise from the dead. It's time to rise from the darkness and let Christ give us his light. And if you're willing to do that with me, if you're willing to come with me today, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. If you're willing to live it, if you're willing to leave it and you want to shine his light, you no longer want to live in the darkness. I want to illuminate this whole church. I want to illuminate every aspect of our life so that darkness no longer has a hold over us and that we can be the people that he's called us to be. Come on, if that's you, turn your cell phone on today. Come on, church. It takes us all coming together. Because when we're community like this, when we're in community like this, man, I wish y'all could see this. I wish y'all could see what I'm looking at right now. The light has shined into the darkness, and the darkness cannot and the darkness will not overcome it. Come on, we're the children of his light, church. And maybe for you, you're in here today, and you know what, maybe, maybe you've been putting stuff in front of you. Maybe it's that sexual immorality. Maybe it's that obscene talk. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's cursing. And you know what, it distracts you, and it hinders your light, and it blocks your light. Christ is saying today, you don't have to do that no more. You can leave it today. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.